Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Radio. All right, little Nate, get to bed. It's you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a story. I'll tell you a story before you go to bed. Okay, could you make it quick? I I got school in the morning, so you know. Well, your mom said you're really into these, like you know, bedtime uh, fables. Uh, yeah, my mom so, says a lot of things. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read you one. See see here and here we go. I know you're going in with at least a base knowledge, so I'm just gonna say what? that there's these creatures called nerfs. Wait, what? Narfs? No, you're you're making that up. That that's from Pinky and the Brain. Oh no no no! You're thinking of something else. And of course, there's a Madame Narf, and she's got red hair. Wait, uh, Madame Narf? Are you telling me a story about prostitutes and brothels? I I mean I don't I'll know how. I'll my mom. Why do you know about that? Look, I look, I am in fifth grade. I know some stuff. Okay. Okay, well, anyway, the, the narfs, of course, as you know, uh, they're coming to Earth out of the out of the blue world, as out I, of the water. I don't know what out of the out of the blue world or the water. The it's right from the ocean, right? The blue world, yes. Yeah, okay, the ocean. So, so she comes out of the blue world, and she has to find, of course, obviously, she has to find a healer, a guardian, Wait, uh, a of guild. Of course, obviously, you're entering, you're introducing characters that are supposed to be introduced organically in the story that you're about to tell me. Your storytelling no, 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 is quite no. terrible. Well, no, you you know how there's like an interpreter who uses crossword puzzles, like you know the usual. Nope, not in the least. And she has to hide from scrunts, which are like big dogs with grass Wait, on their backs. You know, did the you scrunts. say scrunts? Yeah, scrunts. What kind of made up word is that? It's it's a magical word for a magical <sighs> day. Make just make with the story, Neil. So there's there's a bunch of scrunts and uh, she has to find, you know, a guardian to get her away from the scrunts. But the thing is, the scrunts, as you know, um, are really scared of the Tartutic who I, live in the I trees. I don't know that. And there's Does a giant she... eagle that has to save Madame Narf from the scrunts. This. I... You're my mom's worst boyfriend. You know that. All right, let's just watch the movie version. Good. That'll put me out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome once again to the podcast about bad to questionable movies. That's right. It is What Were They Thinking? 
I am your host, Brendan. Joining me is the story to my Cleveland heap. Yes, and uh, the to add fuel to the fire that we are a couple, as See, wrestlers believe. I introduced you as like my brother, and this I'm okay. Thanks, appreciate it. Hi, everybody. It's Nathan. What's wrong with the story to my Cleveland heap? I don't know, man. There's there's all this uh, this underlying romantic chemistry. It's it's irksome. If you if you want WWE Hall of Famers to stop thinking we're married, you got to stop doing that. All right, fine. You're the Anna Ran to my Vic Ran. Uh, well, at least we're siblings then. <laughs> uh, Nathan, we are talking about a magical film this week here on the podcast. <sighs> Fateful Findings. It's a magical day. I would love to watch Fateful Findings five and more times. Talk about it again. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, we are going back to the Shyamalanian well. <sighs> I believe this is our fourth Shyamalan. We've talked about The Last Airbender. We talked about The Happening. We talked about old. Yeah, this is our yeah, fourth this is one. Fourth one. And yeah. certainly no other ones that we could ever discuss. This is the end of the list. <laughs> cough, the village. Cough. Um yeah, signs. <laughs> but we are here to talk about Lady in the Water. But of course, as you know, if it, we're talking about an M. Night Shyamalan movie, we can't be without our M. Night Shyamalan reoccurring guest, ladies and gentlemen, Lindsay. That was me drowning. Oh. (laughs) Our lady in the water, Lindsay, is here. And she got it all over her Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles shirt. Oh, it's the Invader Zim, dude. I don't know. I saw a bunch of, like, I saw green and a bunch of, I thought they were swords. Close enough. Right. Sure. (sighs) Nerds. Give them a little prop. Well, Lindsay, thank you for uh, joining us for I'm assu- what I'm assuming is your favorite M. Night Shyamalan uh, feature film. Yeah. I felt so genuine. Oh, boy. Um, how how many times had you, have you seen this movie? It's only my second. It was my second. I saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. And I... Oh, you paid theater money for this? No, I got free movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I remember when I first saw it, I thought it was okay, but it's even worse now. <laughs> I I think I saw this in theaters too, because I definitely remember Paul Giamatti acting like uh, a baby on a big screen. <laughs> and I don't think he does it in any other movie. Mm-mm. Pretty sure he doesn't do it in Shoot 'em Up. I uh, don't sideways, rec- he kind of does. <laughs> I'd say I don't recall it happening in Sideways. One of them cried, I think. Mm, mm, mm. But not with a milk mustache. That's true. But we'll get into all that. Uh, Lady in the Water. <laughs> plot! So the basic plot of this movie. Well, this is going to be real basic because we're going to get into details later and my brain is going to explode. So basically, Paul Giamatti uh, plays a character called Cleveland Heap already going into the nominations for Your Name is What Now Award. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Cleveland Heap is the superintendent of a building in Philadelphia. What? This movie takes place in Philadelphia. I'm right, Shyamalan. What's going on? And uh, they know he notices that someone's been using the pool after hours when they shouldn't be. Well, he quickly finds out that, of course, it's a narf named Story, played by Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, <sighs> And uh, we find out that she's come to, uh, she's come out of the blue world, aka the ocean, aka the pool, whatever, 
to uh, basically uh, right the wrongs in the world, make everything peaceful, uh, get rid of greed. I guess that's sort of the idea. Uh, many fairy tale, weird fables and crazy stilted dialogue and clunky framing, clunky everything, uh-huh. but beautiful cinematography ensues. Wait, I'm exhausted just having you explain Wait. like that. Bryce Dallas Howard. You mean that wasn't Jessica Chastain? No, I'm very sorry. Oh my god. It wasn't need- Tilda Swanson in a ginger wig? <laughs> or Tilda Swinton, rather? Fuck nope, Tilda, Tilda Swanson. Who the fuck no, Tilda Swanson? I see it. I see it, though. Christy Swanson's younger sister, Tilda Swanson. <laughs> Christy Swanson. It was Swanson's, Buffy. Yeah, younger, less Republican sister. Yeah, less, ma- <laughs> less MAGA. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh man, so Lady in the Water, guys. Let's let's get into it because we start this movie off with I don't know a seventeen minute voiceover. Because um, when you when you got to start your movie, the best way to do it is just tell us stuff. And boy, do they, um, man. The people of uh, of the water and man, they got along really well in the past. But then we found out man's true nature. It, man was greedy. And the world of man and the world of the ocean were separated. The world of man became more violent. Because there were no more water guides to listen to. Guys, I'm just guessing. <laughs> Based on so far, you're, you're, you're kind of on point. But this, and we can't stress this enough. This isn't like acted out. It's all done no. through voiceover and chalk drawings. Yeah, chalk drawings and just one person saying this. And I, the voice sounded familiar, but I can't point out who it was. Um, but uh, I think Lindsay is going to do our research right now. The, uh, the people of the water, the water people has sent young ones to land to, to convince man to, you know, just be cool again. Just, you know, don't be so violent and crazy. And, uh, there are also creatures called scrunts that eat the water creatures. So there is a risk of them going up there. This is what I wrote down at this point. This is the prologue. What the fuck am I watching? The worst, the worst part about this whole thing is that he had several opportunities to introduce this story wholly within the plot of the movie. Because the story gets told essentially again later on. Right. And there are enough there are enough hints throughout the movie to build the story together. Mm. We don't need this fucking 29-minute exposition dump. Yeah. Uh, but that, but that, it's an M Night Shyamalan movie. Well, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes, you know, he turns out some good ones. But it's a bad M Night Shyamalan movie. So we get a lot of exposition dump, a lot of dialogue from characters that makes no sense, and the movie even calls itself out on it. And I said, no, fuck you, movie. That's lampshading. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Lindsay, no how important narrates. No one important. He's uncredited. It's Who Dave, is it? David Ogden Steers. Oh, I know that guy. <laughs> Not personally. Oh, yeah. Now that I look at his face. Yeah, he's done some stuff. I he knew he had, he had a very commanding voice. Yeah, I did a lot of Disney movies. We start off with uh, our main character, Cleveland Heat, played by the wonderful Paul Giamatti, forced to do this film at gunpoint, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. <laughs> although the actors in this movie are much better than than the ones in the happening at pretending yeah. they're not uh, doing it at gunpoint. No, but uh, some of the some of them are a little wooden. 
again, I don't think Shyamalan is very good at directing actors, which it worked for the sixth sense because everybody has to be so sullen and, and downbeat and like even unbreakable. It works for that, but everything else, almost everything else, it's like, God damn Shyamalan. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you can't blame the actors because we've all, we've seen all of these actors be so much better in other things. It's just like the star Wars prequels. Yeah. If that's the only Natalie Portman movie you watched, you'd be like, she's the worst actor ever. <laughs> Same with Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Well, actually, he tr- he was he looked like he was half trying, but. Mm. Or Hayden Christensen. Yeah, he's a much better actor than those movies. Exactly. So, Cleveland Heap is uh is the superintendent of this giant building in in Philadelphia, and he's working on uh he's working on the under the sink for uh for one of the tenants trying to get a large bug out from underneath. It's kind of a funny scene. There's he's just kind of like we just see it like from the point of view from from underneath the sink, and he's like I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna get it, and the family behind him is screaming. Kind of a stereotypical <laughs> scene, but, you know, it's going to be a recurring theme, I think, in this movie is that M. Night Shyamalan uh, portrayal of other people not not super great. See, here's the thing with that. I mean, I can handle uh, everybody's afraid of bugs cliche in, in most movies. I, I can handle a nice, tasty cliche if they're done kind of well. This mm. is just oh, my it. This scene just felt like it's all we're do- You get to see his face under the sink and he's squishing a bug. And that's really there's nothing is really accomplished in this scene except for this cliched stereotype. Yeah. And there yeah. is there are literally tens of scenes like this where nothing, <laughs> nothing really happens to further the story. Like it's just there to be there. And I guess that's his version of comic relief. Um, (laughs) so Cleveland, uh, welcomes a new tenant to the building, Mr. Farber played by Bob Balaban. He'll become important later, but we learn he's a TV and film critic. Sort of maybe kind of, I guess. He's not the dude from Ratatouille. No, Bob Balaban. Yeah. No, well, he was, he, I mean, he was the warden in, uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Was he not? No, no. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, oh, he's in late in the water. That's it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Also, his name's Bob Balaban. I mean, he's it, also he also had that pretty... name. He's like, I may not know exactly what he's in, but I've seen him and stuff because I recognize that name. It's unmistakable. He's also um, he also had a reoccurring part on Seinfeld, I believe. Okay. For quite a while. But anyway, he's been in a lot of stuff. Good actor. Um, he plays a TV and film critic in this movie. Keep in mind, keep that in mind when we talk about how this character is treated by M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we see that um, Cleveland is kind of questioning the tenants, like, do you know what's happening? Like, who's using the pool after seven o'clock? Does anyone know? He asks this character called uh, named Young Soon Choi, who also is uh, it's basically like when we talked about Dungeons and Dragons and how we said that Marlon Wayans is kind of playing like they kind of told him to play it like a minstrel act. I feel yeah. like that's the kind of thing we're getting here is that it's like, okay, so you're Asian. So you gotta be like Asian, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah, he's going around. um, He's got a repair guy. That guy's flummoxed because he's like, I don't know why there's all this, like there's this hair cropping up in the, in the filter system. It can't just be (laughs) someone swimming around. Like what's going on. Um, 
we meet some of the other tenants. We meet Reggie, played by Freddie Rodriguez. Oh you may my know God. such a good mortician. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may know him from uh, uh, Planet Terror as well. Oh, that too. Yes. Yeah. His his whole gimmick is he's working out on one side of his body. Have I? Has that been in something before, or is this the thing that I'm remembering it from? Because that seemed awfully familiar. It was a gag on The Simpsons. <laughs> there was an episode okay. where Homer bought uh, a, a barbell uh, from a Rainier Wolf Castle, and he only bought mm. the one, and he just kept doing the one arm, and he got, like, this huge honking big <laughs> one arm and, like, regular Homer arm on the other, and okay. Moe and him started hustling people and arm wrestling. Okay. For some reason, I thought I saw it in a movie somewhere, but maybe it was just this, and I just blocked the rest of it out of my memory. Probably. So Cleveland goes to uh, investigate some rumblings he hears in the pool one night, and he's like, you know, get out of there. It's not safe. Why? I see why you. Are... I see you. <laughs> I see you still in. Yeah. He, uh, and, and then he just, like, slips into the pool and seemingly drowns, and I'm like, wow, dark way to start this movie. I guess <laughs> Giamatti is written out. Um <laughs> But no, he wakes up later in his bed looking face-to-face with Bryce Dallas Howard. And I said, not a bad way to wake up. No. Not so a bad way. She's naked. She, I think she is. Isn't she? Yeah, I think she she's is. naked yes, for most because of the movie. He's like, he's like super modest. Every time she's naked or half-naked, he's like, I gotta look away. Like, put, put, something, put some pants on. He's super modest, but he also like takes like 20 seconds before he realizes every time like he's well, because he's for a got, long time he's got to figure out how to say it without stuttering because you forgot to mention that he has like a pronounced stutter you know that goes throughout the movie i didn't notice it until he mentioned it <laughs> you guys didn't notice that well, no wait i noticed it you didn't notice his stutter well, no i think i just zoned it out Oh my god. It's like it's like the most like a a a like movie stutter ever. Uh, I there's thought he was just part. doing an accent at first. No, there's even at this part when he first kind of has accent. his first prolonged uh encounter with her, he remarks to himself, "I'm not stuttering right now." Yeah, that's yes. when I first realized he had a stutter. Now I heard it. Nice. <laughs> Lindsay's just not ableist, like like you and I. That's yeah, it's got to be it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he wakes up and he sees Bryce Dallas. Howard, we learn that her name is Story, and she's from <laughs> the Blue World. And I wrote down Avatar? <laughs> yeah, actually. Um, and then she asks Cleveland, she's like, do you feel an awakening? It's like a pins and needles feel inside. And I'm like, okay, why is he not freaking out? Yes, naked chick on his couch. Who's asking? And he was drowning him. last he remembered. Mm-hmm. And now she's asking if his arm was asleep and woke up. <laughs> yeah, now she's asking about his feelings. And not only that, but she knows exactly how he's feeling because he confirms it. He's like, yes, I do feel that. And she's like, hmm, yeah, figured, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> Uh, she says, she says, you know, or he says, uh, I'm no longer stuttering. Wow, that's crazy. And he says, you know, listen, I'm not going to report you for losing, for using the pool. Uh, not losing the pool. That's, that'd be weird. Um, solve a few of their problems though. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Uh, but I will allow you to wait around for a little bit because she said she's scared to leave. So he's like, fine. Jarring cut to her completely in his arms and asleep. Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, 
I, I I didn't remember if it happened or not, so I was like, are they gonna become something? Because there's <laughs> quite a quite a differential of age in this in this movie. <laughs> Although it's weird, because like right, I, cause she's a thousand years old, because she's a uh, narf. <laughs> but I thought the actors were were quite a bit uh, different. But I I looked up the I looked it up because they kept calling her like, oh, she's just a kid. She's just yeah, a kid. I was kind of weirded out by that. <laughs> And I looked it up, and she was like 27 when this movie was made. So she's not just a kid. I don't. I don't. I guess she looks young. I don't she's know. A millennial. She's a snarf. So she could she could be 27, but they live to be like a thousand or two thousand years old. Yeah. Neil wasn't super clear about it when he told me the story. So snarf. Snarf. It does feel like this could be Neil Breen with a budget. I'm just saying. <laughs> There'd be a lot more uh, uh, fake backgrounds, though. No, yeah, but the dialogue and delivery would be about the same. <laughs> uh, so Cleveland is like, all right, this this weird naked chick who's talking about pins and needles, I got to get her out of here. So he picks her up, starts going outside. Uh-oh, he hears some snarling um and we don't really see much at this point but we know that something is uh is chasing them and of course bryce dallas howard i'm gonna say story i don't want to say her full name every time <laughs> story yeah. is like run run so they run back into the building yeah, yeah. it's a dramatic run too it's very dramatic this movie gets started quickly and then just lingers for a long time <laughs> so long uh, oh my God. <laughs> uh they call animal control, although nothing is found. So story just kind of hangs out in Cleveland's apartment, gets in his shower. Um, and then, holy shit, the movie just goes into full, like, it's just, it's just like him going around and asking about bedtime stories for most of this movie. <laughs> Cause he oh. goes, yeah, he goes back and talks to young soon. And he's like, what is a narf? Because his story described herself as a narf. And 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 Young Soon is like, oh, you need to talk to my mother. She's the bedtime story expert. And this is where we get the, like, really, like, okay, M. Night Shyamalan. Like, you don't like a certain type of people, it this seems. This is where we get the tea. Hmm? The gossip. The tea. Oh, the tea. She's she's talking young duck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This thing where he's taught, where he has to talk to Sun Young's grandma, that right there, that is the thing that you use to put this story to tell us about, you know, Blue World and the snarfs and or, or the snurfs or the smurfs, snorks or whatever, and you know snorks. the narfs and snorks, Jesus, and you can tell us all that stuff yeah. through her. If you still want to use the chalk drawings. Sure, whatever. Do it as like a, a fadeaway and they could use that. But she's the one telling the story and we don't tack on an extra what seemed like an hour to the movie <laughs> because that starting felt like at least an hour long. It was just complete. That opening was completely unnecessary because the movie throughout tells us what we need to know. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So uh, the mother is like talking about how, oh, a narf is a sea nymph. And I'm like, yeah, cool. So you basically just said a word I don't really understand is another word I vaguely understand. Got it. Narf <laughs> is a sea slut. There we yeah. go. <laughs> sea slut. Thank you, Lindsay. Oh, no sea slut shaming. Yeah, right. come on. Come on. I'm canceled. We, what, what happens in the ocean stays in the ocean, okay? No, actually, it, it comes back on the land and causes <laughs> some severe, severe problems with the shoreline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so we learned that the, yeah, it's this, uh, Narf is a sea nymph. 
who must be seen by the one human chosen for her and will awaken something in them. If successful, she will return on a giant eagle and be free. You know, that old wives' tale. You know, Lord of the Rings. (laughs) (laughs) M. Night Shyamalan wishes he was as accomplished as that. So um, Cleveland walks back into his apartment and uh, Story is just standing there completely naked. He he stares at her for about 25 <laughs> seconds before saying, yeah, could you could you put some clothes on? Well, that way he has time to register it all, but also seem, you know, chivalrous, I guess. Right. Uh, so uh, Story uh, tells him, you know, I need to find this writer. I need to, And I'm like, oh, shit. You just wait to see how this pays off. But she needs to find this writer. But she can't describe him. She doesn't know what he looks like. She doesn't know if it's a man or a woman. Uh, doesn't know anything. So Cleveland is like, oh, shit. Mr. Farber, who just moved in, is a TV and film critic. It must be him. Oh, yeah. So he goes and questions him a little bit. He finds out that Mrs. Bell is a little bit of a writer. So he questions her. It's oh, but like she, the- she does say that they will have written something recently because that's yeah. like a clue yeah. because every every person that he talks to is like i haven't written anything in you know years or and farber's like i just got here i haven't written anything at all because i haven't seen anything yet for the sh- for the station that i'm gonna be working for it was also right. between very long awkward pauses yes i mean that's that's his specialty that's Shyamalan's specialty is the very long awkward pauses yeah um he goes yeah so he goes around i i just like it's like it it reminds me of like when you're watching a whodunit and a clue comes up and then suddenly every single person has something that could be that it's like they made fun of it in the simpsons and the who shot mr burns episode Mm -hmm. when they had the first and last initials and then suddenly we learned everybody's first name and everybody's last name that suddenly were like the right initials but that's a comedy this is (laughs) like you know, everyone's suddenly a writer. So he goes and like uh, he goes to Mrs. Uh, Bell, who uh, is sitting there with a bunch of butterflies all around her. That will become important later. Um, <sighs> he goes over to see Mr. Dury, played by the great Jeffrey Wright. It's nice to see him in this. Yes. Um, he's Hunger there with Games. his son. Yeah, Hunger Games. Uh, he's in the Bond movies too, right? He is. Yes. Yeah, Felix Leiter. He plays. I think I believe. Um, but he's, he's, uh, he's sitting there with his son. He's doing crossword puzzles and he's like, Oh, are you a writer? He's like, Nope, just doing these crossword puzzles. Cool. Next scene. Um, he goes, he goes to like, I guess the stoner apartment where Jared Harris is in this movie all of right? a sudden. That was <laughs> he cool. barely talks though. He doesn't have a character. He doesn't have a name. He's just like apartment Go- stoner or something Goatee like that. Smoker. Goatee smoker is his character's name. Yep. You have Jared Harris. You fucking give him a role. You give him at least a gut character. A gut Jesus. Name. I mean, we're talking about Mr. Deeds' as Jared Harris here. Right? <laughs> 24-hour party, people. Come on. I think. Poltergeist remake. Oh, yeah. His greatest <laughs> accomplishment. <laughs> but they're like, no, we don't write, man. We just smoke weed. <laughs> and, and I do. And argue, yeah. There is a funny moment there where Cleveland tells them he suddenly get like gets a set of balls and says like, "Okay, listen, stop smoking in the apartment and stop throwing your clothes in the garbage disposal." Before he walks away, um, like, okay, <laughs> he gets he gets a backbone all of a sudden. And because then they're, they're not that's never seen really again either. Nope. 
No, that they was ended up helping. Awkward moment. Yeah. Here's the thing. Again, I said it, it seems like the actors. I know you said, Lindsay, that some of them are kind of wooden. Um, I do think the acting overall is better in this than it is in the happening, though. Oh, hell yeah. And I do think that Giamatti and Howard are the two best. Oh, yeah. Um, they're they're trying. But I will also nominate, we'll talk about her in a bit, but I also nominate her name is Sarita Chowdhury, and she plays like M. Night Shyamalan's sister in the movie. Oh, yes. I love her. Yeah. She's fantastic. <laughs> Oh, we're um, gonna meet her right now, actually, because doesn't he like pass them in the hallway after he leaves the stoner apartment? Yeah, and she's going on about how pretty she is because she's like totally naked. <laughs> Wait, hold on. No, 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 no. This, this is where he he doesn't have he doesn't have story with him. He just oh, okay. runs into them as they're like getting ready to go do their laundry or something. Oh, yeah. Yes, he run, and then we see Vic Rand, and guess who it is, folks? It's M Night Shyamalan. I was hoping yeah. it was going to be more of like the size of the role he had in Signs. Oh, right. Oh, this was a huge role he played. This yeah. is the biggest role he's given himself, 100%. Like, he is almost the lead character. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, I thought it was going to switch up and he was going to become the lead. I really did. <laughs> he talks about, he basically says, yeah, I'm a writer. But, you know, I haven't gotten back to it in a long time. And uh, Cleveland. I'll fix that light over your desk. Yeah, Cleveland is, like, looking for excuses to do maintenance work so yeah. he can kind of a snoop on these people. And he finds his unpublished book or unfinished book called The Cookbook. And he's like, well, it's a cookbook. It's obviously not. He's not Anarchist the writer. Cookbook. What's that? Anarchist cookbook. Oh, shit. Do you think? Probably. <laughs> sure, Mike, You wrote no, that. That was, that was long sure. available on the internet before this movie was made. I know, but he wishes he wrote it. I mean, the movie <laughs> does look like it's dated. I mean, he does say, he does say that the book he's working on will make a lot of people upset. <laughs> and I mean, some, he talks the about movie politics looks like it could have been from the 80s or early 90s. Well, I've got a theory on that later, actually, about this being a period piece. So uh, we'll go, I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. Cool. But... Um. Yeah. Vic just says, "Yeah, I'm just I'm writing a book about world leaders and cultural issues." And I said, "Holy shit!" M. Night Shyamalan cast himself as the writer that will change the world. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I hope it's it wasn't the, this movie. But I think it, he was so like self-indulgent because the way because the way it's explained later is that he won't directly do it. Somebody who reads his book will be inspired by it, and they're the ones who are going to change the world. So it's oh, not self-serving so it's and egotistical. The Bible. <laughs> not at all. It's <laughs> the new Bible. Yeah, it's the new Bible. Misinterpreted. It's M. Night Shama Christ. <laughs> and they'll be like basically his words. Yeah, and he gets cursed. <laughs> he gets cursed. He does, he does become a martyr. Yeah. He does. We learn that later. Um, so anyway, story, uh, oh so then God. we get some, speaking of that dark, uh, uh subject matter, you just, uh, breached there for a moment. We do find out, uh, via story looking through Cleveland's shit is that Cleveland's entire family was murdered. Yeah. And he used to be a doctor and now he's a superintendent in a so building. And why? I was like, that's harsh. That's a harsh backstory. And I was just like, she was reading a sad handwritten novel. <laughs> right uh so so cleveland is like yeah fuck that happened i guess now you know movie audience um so under some false pretenses he brings over vic so that story can see him and he's like 
Yeah, Vic, you're getting that pins and needles feeling, eh? Yeah. Well, what's that like? And he's like, I think I'm just going to leave because this <laughs> yeah. is weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, story, of course, uh, very intense, uh, says she's so very happy to meet him. <laughs> Imagine how creepy this is. Think about this for a second. You're you're a tenant in the building. Superintendent's like, oh, man, you forgot to sign some papers. Come on over and I'll get you to sign them. There's a girl there who's almost naked who's like, I'm so very happy to meet you. And then the superintendent looks at you and says, do you have that pins and needles feeling? <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? Oh, my God. People don't talk like this. When you put it no that one. way, it's so creepy. Right? You mean oh. the way it's actually presented in the movie? Yeah, <laughs> exactly oh like that. Well, <laughs> I'm watching this, I'm like, I would move out the next yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> back to his, he goes back to his apartment, I, talking to his sister. I, I think the landlord just hit on me and wanted me to do a three-way with that weird <laughs> redhead he was with. Or he wanted to watch. I don't know. <laughs> well, he definitely wants to watch. Also, I think it might be his daughter. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. <laughs> So we've got we meet another tenant after that call uh, named Mrs. Bubchek. Uh, she calls she calls <laughs> these are the real names, guys. She calls Cleveland over to fix her toilet, but her husband already called a plumber. Don't feel bad, Cleveland. Okay, he doesn't want to hurt his feelings. End of scene. What was the point of that scene? I was uh, the be point like, of good. Like, she, <laughs> that she keeps telling his secrets. He's in She's the like, bathroom. I think he had something last night and it didn't agree with him. But don't tell him I told you that. The gossipy bitch. But and then she says he does something else too because that that's an important part of why he gets picked for the guild later. Okay. Okay. I was because like, I was the, the group of people that need to help story get out to the the pool so the eagle the giant eagle can come swoop her away. I was really hoping that a member of the Philadelphia Eagles was just going to show up in like a pinto and be like, "Hey, I'm here to pick up the ginger." I, I cool. If I, you want to hop in? We're going to go now. If I knew a single member of them, I would make a joke here. But I would just sound like an idiot and be like, Aaron Rodgers? He's the Packers. Talking about, speaking of MAGA. um, So story uh, story decrees, I have to leave on this night to avoid the scrunts. So let's do this. But then she suddenly runs back in and she's got scratches and she's in full panic mode. A scrunt tries to break through the front door. So, so, uh, uh, Cleveland, who by the way cannot see the scrunts, uh, runs her up the stairs. Can't he can't. I don't think at this point. No, oh, he he, he can way. sense them because he sensed it. That's why he. That's why they ended up calling Animal Troll the first time because yeah. he didn't see it. He kind of sensed it. But it totally ripped off Neverending Story with the wolf jumping through the stone. Mm. Do you want to? Do you guys want to hear something crazy about this movie? Yeah. <laughs> Is there right something crazy about this movie? Please. Just behind the scenes. This movie costs $70 million to make. How? Because, I'll tell you how, the building and the pool were built for the movie. A real apartment building oh was built for the Because Shyamalan insisted that this be filmed in Philadelphia. So he picked out a spot, he bought it, he bought, constructed, he got them to construct the building and construct the pool and then started shooting. A fully functional apartment building. I hope people live in it now. I don't know, but I, I'll tell you this. $70 million budget, it made 73 So not, oh. not a huge success. I mean, $3 million. But think of, like, marketing and, oh, like, yeah. 
it's definitely more than seventy million dollar, I should say, production budget. I mean, the trailer made the movie look decent. It did. I was I was okay. uh, convinced. Must... Uh, where the fuck are we here? So yeah, so story. There is a scrunt. You know the deal with scrunts. Oh well, this that it actually is a big deal because apparently they're not supposed to be able to attack her after this has all happened and the eagle is coming to swoop her down. These are real things that we're supposed to believe in this movie, by the way. Yeah. And, but so this is a rogue scrunt, a rogue scrunt much. Yeah. Which I mean, is an interesting name for a punk rock band, but not so much for a character that I'm supposed to be afraid of. (laughs) But also how does he get people to believe him? Yeah, I I don't. He literally just tells people, and they're like, "Okay, check." And he out. shows them naked white chick, and they're like, "Yeah, this is awesome." <laughs> I feel like they're just like, "This girl's pretty hot. Let's just see where this goes." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd be like that. <laughs> uh, but uh, we we get a. This is kind of a fun. This part I really like because um, again, this is uh Vic's sister, Sarita, Ch- played by Sarita Chowdhury, because mm-hmm. she tells Vic like. Oh, you know, Mr. Heap is up here and he's got a girl with him and she's doing all these motions like and I think she's like drinking. And he says, like, you know, she's sick. But I mean, come on. She looks a little wasted and she's so young and she's wearing his T-shirt and she's yeah, being it's, really it's, gossipy. It, and I, and I really... she's like, Mr. Heap's a player. Yeah, and it's like, I, what is she trying to do? Is she trying to set her brother up with this girl? Mm-hmm. Is she is she gossiping about the 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 landlord uh, or is she gossiping about the girl is with the or is it all of it? I think she's gossiping about who the landlord has with him. And I just, I was just, I was just happy to see some life in a performance in this movie. Okay. Yeah. I was just, I was like, thank you. Thank you. Uh, oh, and I was trying to figure out what I knew her from. And if anyone's seen the show Homeland, she played Mira. She played yes. uh, Saul Berenson's wife uh, for some time on that show. Okay. Um, it was just nice to see her not so drab and sad as <laughs> she is in that show. <laughs> Uh, so, um, uh, Cleveland finds out from Young Soon's mother that scrunts, uh, when they scratch, it's actually poison and he has to find an antidote or a cure, but it only exists where she lives. How in the world is he going to find that, Nathan? Oh, well, he's obviously going to have to go into the pool after hours and search for the, her portal, uh, through the pool underneath and find her stash and of not sea drown. Weed. Thank you. How is he breathing the whole time? I held time? my breath at one to point, see. I yeah. almost died. At one point, he actually takes one of the upside-down jars that she has in there and breathes the water out of really? it. Really? Yes. <laughs> okay, my question, like, if they had just said, if they had just said, okay, the rule is it's magic, and that's why he can breathe, I would have been totally okay with that. But instead, they actually have him underneath for like, I don't know, 27 minutes before he grabs like a pen and takes off the tip and, and like puts it into a cup so he can like breathe in some air. Sip the, sip the air out of the, out of the cup that's upside yeah, down. Yeah, and I'm like, don't, that makes it work. That makes it less believable. Like if you just told me the whole thing was magic, I would buy into it more. Yeah, right? <laughs> like story put a, a spell on her or she had a talisman that would help him breathe underwater or something. Right. I would 100% believe that. I guess if you're going to go, if you're going to go shitty fairy tale, go all the way. Shitty fairy tale. You go balls deeper. You don't go at all. Right. Yeah. Uh, so 
So yeah, I and I also want to say like when he's asking Young Soon's mother, and it's 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 kind of a scene where he asks for um Young Soon at first, and the mother calls her, and she's like, okay, don't tell my mother I'm at a club, like she's on the phone, and he's asking, he's getting her to translate his questions about the bedtime story so he can figure out a cure. Can you imagine being woken up at like three in the morning and this guy's like, hey, that bedtime story you know about? Can you tell me more about that? That poor lady. Like, she's like, I just want to get some fucking sleep. Call the police. Right. This crazy person is in front of my house. <laughs> but but he, he makes, uh, Shyamalan makes her out to seem like she's spiteful and hateful and not wanting to tell him this stuff. And like, he's like, she's constantly fed up with shit. You know what? Three in the morning, I'd be kind of fed up with shit too. <laughs> of course. I have, I don't blame her at all. We also find out that Scrunts are afraid of Tartutic, uh, who are these <laughs> lawmakers, <laughs> lawmakers who live in the trees and look like monkeys. They're so evil they killed their parents on the day they were born. Um, and it they shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Heap, uh, Cleveland Heap, is in the pool. He finds glasses and basically stuff that's been like stolen from the apartment, like uh, like little jewels. At one point, I swear to God, he found like a bullet strap, like a bullet vest. Yeah. What do you call that? With like the little, it's like a, a sash, but like bullets. You mean like a bandolier? Yeah, I swear to yes. God, there was a bandolier. Okay. <laughs> Didn't see that. I was like, well, who the fuck had that? Bob Balaban? Like. And the stuff he took, it looks like just a big pile of poop to me. It does. It doesn't. I look like I it actually know it. It looked like seaweed. <laughs> seaweed like <laughs> cannabis. Yeah. Yeah. Like like weed. You you would. Like cannabis, you would get under the sea, not you know the stuff you would dry out and make dulse with. Oh yeah, well all I wrote was here's your poop. I almost drowned. <laughs> and I mean that could be that could be related to sea weed as well because I mean if if the the strait is a, a a browner color as opposed to green, yeah they do look like little poop nuggets. Yeah, they can. <laughs> here's your poop. Here's your poop nuggets. Smoke it up. <gasps> so- so um so after he finds this this shit literally um young soon comes over to deliver more exposition about like uh madam narf uh being there's a madam narf and she's the key or something and her return would be a great inspiration and a scrunt would be devastated and i'm like i don't care anymore i seriously i don't care and that's but, the only reason why this this scrunt has gone rogue because he they apparently innately know that how important her accomplishing her mission is as opposed to a regular running run of the mill narf right she's a madam narf oh my God. so we get we get uh vic and his sister uh coming coming over at this point uh she by the way he, uh story is good now he's cured her and everything she with her with her own poop right. he, rub, he rubbed her poop into her open wounds <laughs> and uh <laughs> Vic comes up to story and he's like, he's asking her, he's like, you know what? You, you can kind of see the future a little bit. Right. And I'm like, I didn't know about this sp- superpower, but okay. Oh, doesn't she, doesn't she sort of do that back when, yeah. When she meets the yeah, Shyamalan and Ding Dong the, the first time. Oh, does she? Okay. How she knows him from the future. But I know, I know she knows that he's a writer, but I just didn't know she was like a fucking fortune teller. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. But She's but he's a story, like story, so she tells stories. Yeah, he's like, well, tell me something. He's like, you said someone will get inspired by my writing and become this great order and a leader of a country of the country. And I'm like, I hope that's Obama and not Trump. Yeah, like he John could read. Connor, and he's um, he's the mom. 
But like anyway, we find out later that he he finds out that this person reads his book because M Knight, aka Vic, is actually going to get killed for his uh invo- like crazy ideas. So he's going to be a martyr essentially. His anarchist cookbook or his brilliant writing. Mm. His pretentious. <laughs> For very pretentious writing. See almost all his films. But again, uh, he's he's not directly directly saving the world, so it's not egotistical or self-serving. Not at all. No. No. He's so modest and 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 he would never say anything like that about himself. Humble uh, to a fault, I think he once described himself. <laughs> he did describe himself as that, yes. Uh Young Soon at this point is telling Cleveland, like, okay, listen, my mom is gonna tell you all about the bedtime story, but here's what you gotta do. You gotta behave like an actual child. Oh my for her god, to do the that. scene made me so uncomfortable. I and also like, she what? said a child, not a fucking simpleton. He was an infant. Uh Soon Young tells him, I'm sorry, Young Soon says to him that um you have to you have to get her to see you less as a stranger and more as an innocent, like a child. But she says like a child. She doesn't mean a, a, a simpleton with a milk mustache rolling around on the lady's couch, fluffing the pillows and making himself a bed. That with a full so man with a full man's mustache and beard. So right. And like he gets it like a I mean he could have just talked about how, you know, uh the colors in her place are really pretty. Mm. And he likes cats. And things that make him seem, you know, nice and innocent and not like a weirdo who wakes you up at three in the morning asking for your daughter and then saying, could you please tell me more about this fairy tale at three in the morning from your homeland? Tell me about the narfs. <laughs> there you go, George. <laughs> I, I I just think fair, it's crazy. <laughs> it's cra- I wrote down, this is a case study on how much dignity can you sap from an actor in one scene? <laughs> Paul Giamatti, a great actor. In the course of three minutes, I'm like, I don't know if he is anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Came dangerously close to to losing that uh, appeal. You said Shyamalan can't direct actors. I know, right? He can't direct actors to the grave. He kills them. <laughs> So at this point, uh, Cleveland goes back. Um, Story is in the shower. And for some reason, okay, Story is not allowed to, like, reveal secrets about her world. So they have to come up with, like, this, this uh, not sign language, but, like, you know, like, visual oh. clues. So yeah. he's using, like, Anna, like, Vic's sister, as a conduit. Well, he's like asking questions and, and Story is like signing or whatever she's you know, doing. You know what it reminded what? me of? I know you, you you haven't watched Trailer Park Boys, Brendan, but there's an episode mm-hmm. where Julian is talking to Bubbles and he wants him to tell tell him what Ricky's doing, but he doesn't Bubbles doesn't want to squeal on Ricky. He goes, Okay, so if I was to ask you a question and you blinked once for uh no and twice for yes, I mean that wouldn't be that wouldn't be ratting, that wouldn't be squealing. You did everybody's gotta blink, right? Yeah, okay, cool. So then he asks, is Ricky growing weed in the trailer park? And he blinks really distinctly twice for yes. Mm-hmm. That's what this scene reminded me of. Yeah. Right. It's, it's the most childish way to get around this. Right. It's so silly. And <laughs> so we find out that there are there are humans um, with powers that don't, but they don't know about <sighs> them. Heap 
finds out, and yes, this will be contested later, but he finds out that he's a guardian. Uh, but we Here's need to the... find out who the hmm. interpreter is and who yeah. their guild should be. And a healer. Okay. We get, the, we, get the, we get the twist where the initial picks don't work out being it, and then there are other people. He laid this stuff on so thick in the opening that I actually got, I think, 75% of them right. I mean, the actual ones that they ended up being. Right. So would this be, because I always thought this movie was like the one of the few Shyamalan movies without a twist. So is this the twist? I think that's that kind of the twist. got them wrong? Yeah, the that they, they ended is? up being someone else. Oh, he's calling back God right damn, now. M. Night. Damn. Is Hello. that the twist? Ask him. Okay, was it? Look, we're talking about, the, shut up. Okay, we're talking about the people who are like, you know, the guardian and the healer and stuff like that. Is that the twist that they actually ended up being other people that they did name in this? Okay, all right, good. Also, that's a shitty twist. Bye. Tell them. So, yeah. But it wasn't really much of a twist for me because I was like, when they started naming the, the people they thought, I was like, no, that's not right. No. No, it did no, because I knew I was like, it's not going to be that simple. But yeah, he goes through and he's like, okay, so I got to find out who all these people are, are supposed to be. I'm clearly the guardian, but I got to find a healer. And they mentioned the healer's attracted to butterflies. And he's like, oh, Mrs. What the fuck's her name? Mrs. Bell? Mrs. Bell, yeah. Mrs. Bell had butterflies around her, so it must be her. Um, and then uh, And then so he's trying to like figure out who's who. We were uh, oh. told earlier that he was literally a goddamn doctor before this. And we're yeah. not supposed to think that he's the healer. Right. There, we were in, The first thing we're introduced to is a, a whole family, the entire movie, a whole family that are really close-knit and tight together. And we're not supposed to think that they're the guild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you saying? It's predictable? I Yes, I, I think it is, is rather predictable. I also, I... I off predicted uh the symbolist mm. but i got it in the right family so yeah. <laughs> uh so he needs to find out who all these people are cut to mr farber our our beloved critic who uh who uh, cleveland um knocks on his door and he's like listen can you tell me something you know movies um tell me about like how i figure out who the, these characters would be if this were a movie. And Mr. Farber is just like, oh yeah, sure. I'll tell you not. This is super weird. Um, right. And he says, listen, there's no more originality left in the world. Um, you could tell a movie's plot right when you start watching it. And I'm like, God damn, I wonder what M night Shyamalan thinks about movie critics. <laughs> yeah, really? Uh, but he's like, uh, and then eventually he, he thinks that the healer is Mrs. Bell. The interpreter is Mr. Dury, the guy with the crossword puzzles. Um, who rattles off a bunch of nonsense bullshit with his crossword puzzles and comes up with this plan that they're going to like all go outside. And because there's so many people, they're going to deter the scrunt who's going to just gonna smell all of them and he won't pursue story. He is a guardian. And, and, and because he's a guardian, he can actually watch the eagle show up and fly her away. Guys, this is really in the movie. It's like, have you ever seen like a, a super right wing uh, evangelist who thinks that they're a prophet and just starts rattling off these weird symbols that have to that must mean this and that must mean this it's like no that doesn't mean any of that stuff at all you are grasping at straws oh you mean when that crazy religious guy recently said the eagles flew over the tent when we blessed donald trump jr yeah and, and things like uh uh i read in the book of revelations it said behold barak 
Obomo talking about the revelations. And so it's clearly a Barack Obama bringing about the end. It's like, shut the fuck up. 100%. Yeah. Thanks, Obama. You sent the Eagles after us. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were a Super Bowl team a couple of years ago. So that, that's, <laughs> and, that's high quality. And, you know, they had some good songs. <laughs> no, they didn't. Oh, hey, I like the Eagles. Hotel California. Yeah, take it to the limit one more time, Nathan. Yeah, sure. Um, You can't tell me you don't get up and cheer at the end of the Warriors. And if you do, you're a fucking liar. Uh, um, After the boys of summer are gone? I don't know. Anyway, this movie's fucking stupid. Back yeah. to it. No, uh, <laughs> story. Would you say, Lindsay? No, it's not. It's my favorite movie no, ever. So-, so good. <laughs> story at this point tells uh cleveland okay this is what we're gonna do we're gonna go outside you can use a mirror to spot the scrunts so you go outside with a mirror and walk backwards until you're facing the scrunt you gotta recite these ancient words and you gotta look the scrunt right in the eyes because you're the guardian and you looking it right in the eyes will cause it to back down you can control it but guys it does not go well you know what he does he does ash and army of darkness <laughs> yeah, Klaatu Verada necktie. <laughs> he doesn't quite say it right, does he? No. No. <laughs> Nickel, nectarine, it's definitely an N-word. <laughs> I can't say it, though. Should I say it, guys? Such Is it okay if I say it? Move. Sure. Um, but he, he basically, it doesn't go well. The, the scrunt starts chasing him in a core story. And they're, they're communicating on walkie-talkies, which I think is hilarious. That like, oh, story is from this blue world. But she knows how to use a walkie-talkie. Absolutely, right? of course. But she's like, run! So he, like, runs away. Um, cut to uh, Mr. Farber returning from a movie that he was uh, uh, watching to critique. And he sees uh, Heap just in a pile uh, laying on the ground. In a, in a heap. Heap in a heap. In a heap. Cleveland in a heap. And, of course, Mr. Farber did not like his movie. Characters were were speaking their thoughts out loud. Huh. What's that like? <laughs> They're talking. Well, I just mean I think that's, like, that's that's happening in this movie, though. Oh, like, yeah. Like, character, like, he's talking about exposition and shit. And I'm like, you can't do that if you're doing that. Uh, maybe he's in some obtuse way. He's trying to draw attention to the fact that it happens in every movie. And actually, people talk to themselves all the time. <sighs> but, I mean, we've talked about so many movies on this show where where people have conversations with themselves out loud. And at mm-hmm. some point, it's like, okay, this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is literally <laughs> just to tell us what they're thinking. And it's lazy, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and this character is saying that it's lazy. But then in this movie, they do that. So it's like, are they trying to lampshade it by by being like, this critic is an asshole, yeah. and that's and so we're doing that in this movie because he says it's shitty, so that makes it not shitty. I don't know. It's not good, guys. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Uh, and he says like, you know, oh, there was a romantic couple and they declared their love in the rain. Who declares why, their love in the rain? Why do they do that? Yeah. yeah. Why would they do that? Oh. Um. And he and he at one point, this is clearly so is this actually, is, this, is this Shyamalan taking shots at critics or taking oh, shots yeah. at the notebook? Oh no, no, this is him oh. attacking critics. <laughs> because because Cleveland actually says, well, maybe it's a metaphor for like the rekindling or the rebirth of their ro- of their love. And he says, No, that's stupid. It sucked. That is stupid. <laughs> it honestly. sucked. But I think Shyamalan is definitely the Cleveland heap voice of that conversation. Um <laughs> uh, 
So anyway, uh, we we didn't talk about this character, but there's another character named Mr. Leeds, played by Bill Irwin, who's in this movie. Mm. And he's uh, a psychopath. He's a psychopath. Like he, he never leaves his apartment. And he only watches like war documentaries. Gearing up to be a serial killer, and they totally missed it. Wait, so are you saying Nathan, this is Jimmy all grown up from uh, the Wizard? Well, it, it it, if it's not if it's not Jimmy, it's one of the kids who was in the institution. <laughs> I would have loved to see a scene with Mr. Leeds just like rocking a Super Mario three. <laughs> California, California. We talked about the it wizard last made, week. It made way more sense if this movie was set in California. <laughs> I don't know if he's ever had a, unless it's on a different planet. I don't know if he's ever directed a movie not taking place in Pennsylvania. I, I oh. think actually I think Last Hatbrander was set in Pennsylvania in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> no, I mean come on. <laughs> that's the twist at the end. Yeah. They were in they were in they, PA the whole time. They fan over to a sign and it was just like a highway sign. It says Pen- Philadelphia, next exit. <laughs> okay. So yeah, Mr. Farber is talking shit about this movie that sounds like it might be the notebook. Um this is the scene I was talking about earlier. I guess this happens here where Vic, aka M. Night Shyamalan, asks if he's gonna be if he's gonna be killed for this for this person to to this inspiring country leader to read his words and change the world. And she says, Well, yeah, because he says, you know, why isn't he just meeting me? I don't understand why he needs to know this from the book. And I'm like, not everyone meets famous authors, like right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, Lindsay. She makes the throat slitting motion. He gets his throat slit. Uh, I'm assuming by garrote wire. Oh, rusty pop can. You don't know the. I mean, if if it's a super left leaning book, it could have just been some cracked out hillbilly with a broken meth pipe. Could have been. Uh, so at, at one point, Vic says. You know, listen, like, I'm just asking, like, I don't take myself seriously. And I was like, fuck you, you fucking yeah, liar. Right. You fucking, that is the biggest, that is the least believable part of this entire movie. <laughs> um, uh, So they, they, okay, so at this point they're throwing their party because this is their big plan, right? This is their plan to get a uh, story back to her world because mm-hmm. they've got people singing. They've got like the guild, they've got the healer, the, the, the butcher, the candlestick maker, all that stuff. I just and don't understand why they don't form a protective circle around her and just wait. I don't. I Everybody, don't even know. All they had to do: hold hands, stand in a circle, facing the field, away from the pool. <laughs> solid. <laughs> Problem solved. Why did they have music? I didn't get that part at all. I didn't get any of this. The i, I the idea was the only people who were able to actually see uh, the eagle swoop in and take story away are the are the you know, the the folks who have powers but don't know about them. So, like, the guild and the guardian and the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. <laughs> Only they're allowed to see this, right? So right. they engineered this party that, right. that to have, like, the, the stoner guys who they think are the guild at this point, that they're buddies who, like, they're going to throw a party and they're going to play live music inside that tiny apartment and everybody's going to crush into that tiny apartment so they can see this kind of all right, but sort of shitty local band play while everybody, all the other people stay outside to make sure that story gets swooped up uh, by Rob Saborski. One of the Eagles. <laughs> Not, uh, like you didn't go for Glenn Fry. <laughs> Commendable. Not, I mean, on a good Eagle. 
so uh, it's funny because they 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 oh, um, they place that they the kind of um, make this party under the guise of like a welcoming party for Mr. Farber. And he shows up and, you know, Bob Balaban shows up and he's like, oh, it's just so wonderful that you threw the, I mean, I expected a welcome, but I didn't expect this big party. And there's kind of a funny moment where two people out of the guild, like the stoners are like, uh, and he's like, I'm from 13B. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, this is for you. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah because the party, the party flyer didn't even say his name. It said, no. welcome the new guy. Or the new guy from 13B. Yeah. <laughs> So he's just kind of hanging out. Um, Heap and Story are just talking in more riddles. And she's talking about, I don't have the courage to be the Madam Narf. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. Um, but then stuff starts going wrong. Anna is holding her little mirror so she can see the scrunt. But her mirror breaks because someone bumps into her. <laughs> the music doesn't start when it's supposed to. And uh-oh, a scrunt is dragging Story away. Surely she is 100% dead. Lindsay is losing her shit because She's we losing. are talking nonsense. This <laughs> part is so funny. What? This part is so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> it's just it, Because it's, just it's fucking clown shoes. Yes, it's ridiculous. <sighs> so they they take her in. They're like, oh shit, she's got a bunch of scratches now. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, aka Mr. Dury, is trying to use his crosswords again, and he's like, listen, I don't think I'm the interpreter, guys, because all oh. I do are crosswords. So you know what? I think we all made a mistake with the roles we were assigned. She's dead. <laughs> are you laughing about a, a death? Okay. Just checking. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, cut to the stupidest part in the entire movie, and that's saying something. Is that Mr. Farber is a little drunk, a little tipsy. He's going back to the apartment building. A scrunt has snuck back into the apartment building, by the way. <laughs> and by the way, he can see it, which I think they, I thought they established earlier that you can't see it. But anyway. Well, he's out of, he's out of the grass. Right. So uh, he's, yeah. yeah we should point out this is the only character that dies. I think that's making a statement here, Mr. <laughs> Shaw. While, while babbling uh, critic review, basically. This is what he fucking says. The scrunt is coming towards him and not screaming for his life because he sees this terrifying looking creature. Grass he, dog. He, what? Grass, grass dog. dog. Grass dog? Grass dog. It's oh, a grass, grass dog. dog. Yeah. But he, see, he sees this terrifying creature, and his first thought is not like, oh, shit, i got to get away. He treats it like he's in a movie because mm -hmm. he says, and I wrote down the quote, guys, so bear with me here. Okay. This is like a moment from a horror movie where a beast will attempt to kill an unlikable side character. But in stories where there have been no prior cursing, nudity, or death, such as a family film, the unlikable character will narrowly escape this encounter, having learned valuable lessons. I will turn to run, you will leap for me, I will shut the door, and you will land a fraction of a second too late. What? No, he's dead. Um, nom nom. <laughs> but if this was a PG-13 movie... <laughs> it's so weird, that scene. Is that is that M. Night saying, critics think I'm predictable, but no, hey, guess what? I'm not. That's him saying I want them all to die. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. like critics. Yeah, that's that's. I think it's more of that because... Um, even if he's trying to say that they're saying that I'm always predictable, if this is a PG-13 movie and he dies, that's predictable. So he's basically saying that he's predictable while someone's kind of castigating for being predictable. So self-indulgent. Oh, predictable. 
So anyway, Mr. Farber, again, the only character that dies in this movie, he's dead. <laughs> the only, I, well, I mean, aside from mobile, we'll find out later. Um, so they need to, you know what? They're like, you know, we need to, we need to figure this out. We were wrong about all the rules. We need to find someone who sees a deeper meaning in the ordinary. And Mr. Dury is like, wait a second. I have a pretty cool son that we can go talk to. <laughs> and he's sitting there, the, the young child who's like, I don't know what, eight, nine. Yeah. He's sitting there with a bunch of cereal boxes in yep. front of him. He keeps he keeps like reading stuff off the cereal boxes. Yeah. In the other scenes that he's in, talking to his dad while his dad does the crossword puzzles. Yeah. Right. So he's like, sitting there in crazy. front of the cereal boxes, and he's like, "The guild will be seven sisters, and you need two additional helpers. You need a man who has no secrets and a man whose opinion is highly respected, and th- those two people need to witness everything." So there's a recruitment <sighs> montage. <laughs> So Cleveland is going around to find these people. Like you said, uh, these seven sisters are like the five sisters that are living together, right? The daughters, yeah. Yes. The daughters. daughters. The ones who were afraid of the bug at the first of the movie. Right. And he adds uh, Young Soon to that and um, M. Night's sister. And right. they are basically the, the seven sisters. And the helpers he gets, um, Bill Irwin, Mr. Leeds, and help me out. Oh, the, the the dude on the toilet. Oh, yeah, the guy that, that, that he shoots. He has like. no secrets. He has no secrets, right. Yeah, yeah. the bunion on his ass. Right, but don't <laughs> tell him I told you that. No. Right, and now he has no secrets. Um, So he's got all these people now. Uh, We get a quick shot of a scrunt in a washing machine, and I said, oh, shit, he's going to ruin that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then as if on cue, the rain starts, the music starts jamming, Heap starts gathering his crew, and then and then <laughs> the funniest scene of the whole movie, Jeffrey Wright's son comes in and he's like, oh, my bad, guys, I fucked up. <laughs> mm. When I interpreted everything, I fucked up. I meant he will lead a ceremony of seven sisters. So then oh. we find out, oh, shit, M. Night Shyamalan twist. We thought that Mrs. Bell was the healer because there were butterflies around her, but the butterflies came from Cleveland, so Cleveland is the fucking healer. You know, the guy who was actually a medical doctor? Yeah. (laughs) What a twist! So, um, again, just to reiterate, everyone just uh, accepts everything that's going on. Cleveland puts his hands on uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's legs where the wounds are from earlier. Um, Everyone in the room like touches his shoulder. And I'm like, am I watching a fucking Scientology video or something? Like this is some (laughs) cult shit. He's going clear. (laughs) It's it's, uh, Shutter Island. Island. (laughs) Yeah. How dare you? He's he's going through a nervous breakdown here. None of this is happening. How <laughs> dare a, you compare this movie to Shutter Jacob's Island? Ladder type situation. How right? dare you compare this movie to Jacob's Ladder? Oh. <laughs> uh, so boom goes the dynamite. Story's healed. Um, and we've got one more confrontation with the scrunt because he's got to get her back to her, you know, to her blue world, aka the ocean. Um, and we find out that the, the pool filter, <laughs> right? <laughs> but the scrunt stops dead in his tracks, and we're like, "Wait a second! So the guardian must be looking him in the eyes, but we oh know it's not Giamatti, Christ! Oh, no. it's fucking Reggie with the one buff arm, one arm Reggie, and one arm. I will. <laughs> I, I think I might actually might change my idea of what the real twist in this movie is. 
Oh, that the Reggie's the guardian? That one-armed Reggie is the guardian. Now, He's just standing there with this huge jacked arm and this super normal Homer arm on the other side. Oh, thank you for clarifying, because you guys kept calling him one-armed Reggie, and I just want to make sure people know he has two arms. Two arms. One of them is much more buff than the other. <laughs> but yeah, Reggie is the guardian, and he just like, just keep staring at the scrunt. And Reggie's like, okay, cool, I'm in, I'm in. How much you bench, bro? <laughs> Rather, how much you curl, because he wouldn't be benching. He's only training the one arm. For you, science. You, you lift, you lift. So he's staring, at the, he's staring at the scrunt. The scrunt is backing up. And then, <sighs> guys, the moment we've all been waiting for, we've all been waiting the for the Tartutic. Oh. Yeah, I know. The Tartutic, <laughs> they come out of the trees. They don't look like monkeys, so I don't know where that description came from. Um, And they start beating the fuck out of the scrunt. And <laughs> Reggie is like, what the shit is going on? <laughs> As you would. Right. The eagle swoops down. Rescue story. Heap thanks her for saving his life. Story takes off on the eagle. End of movie. There's <laughs> also Lord of the Rings movies playing music. What? It sound the music sounded like Lord, A of, the Lord Rings of the Rings off. sounding music at the end. Yeah. Like that that swelling crescendo of yeah. orchestra. You know, it's crazy. I thought about it. I thought it was going to take me a while to get through this plot, but it's so convoluted and so crazy that it really, I just have to tell you what happened and you have to uh, believe me. You know, we make up a whole lot of jokes because it's pretty ridiculous all on its own. My <laughs> final note on this was this movie fucking stupid. Yeah, I wrote, I hate this movie and underlined it five times. <laughs> Any other thoughts before we go into our final uh, kind of roundup about this movie? None whatsoever. No, I can't. I can't. All right. Well, uh, Lindsay, as our guest, I will go to you first. Uh, we have, of course, our our, our uh, classic rating system. Uh, is this movie worth a watch? A drunk watch with friends? Would you attempt head trauma to forget it or avoid like the plague? I would attempt head trauma. Okay. So you bash your head on the side of the table and hope you forget all about the scrunts? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, Nathan, what about you? I would I, I would actually go full on avoid like the plague. Uh, I I have this is the first time I've watched this movie and managed to stay awake for the whole thing. I have attempted to watch this movie three other times. Holy shit. This wow. movie is a celluloid sedative. I do not recommend this in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I you know what frustrates me the most about this movie is that you could this movie could work. Like this story, not the character. This this the story of this movie could totally work if it was done better. Yes. Like it's yeah. a cool premise, right? Um, without getting into all the like the babble, uh, the, the the techno babble and the bullshit. You, you can get into that babble, but frame it better. Yeah. Yeah, like never ending story. And as for me, folks, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna agree with you, Nathan. I'm gonna go full tilt and say avoid like the plague. This this maybe this is probably my least favorite Shyamalan I've watched like ever. Ah, uh, there's one we haven't talked about that might be worse, but this is at least of the ones we've talked about. This is my least favorite Shyamalan. Um, it's the it's probably the worst one I've seen. Okay, have yeah. you seen After Earth? No. 
okay, that might change. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> see what happens. But uh, yeah, this was uh, this was garbage. It's just it's it's so and it just sucks because like like we talked about the cast in this movie. That's a really good cast, and the idea of the story is interesting, but the execution is just awful. Failed at every corner. Yeah, just just the worst. So on that note, we will take a brief break and uh, listen to some ads, and we will be right back. What were they thinking? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. NPR bot, initialize. And we're back. Yes, yes we are. Nathan, it's time for uh, the low haiku. Why don't you tell the folks what the low haiku is all about? Well, the low haiku is 17 perfect syllables, 575, to describe the movie that we've talked about uh, ad length and ad nauseum. Hmm. Yes, indeed. So uh, as per tradition, as we have a guest in-house, Lindsay, would you like to start with your low haiku? Sure. Okay. What the heck was that? The lady in the water was not in water. Here we go. Unless unless you count the shower, we actually don't see her in any water at all in this movie. Mm. Mm, that's mm-hmm. a good point. Good point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nathan, what about what, what say you, friend? Okay, well, I will uh, I will give it my, my best. Here it goes. <clears throat> Lady in the pool. Grass dogs in the pale moonlight. Sounds cool. It is not. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I will uh, I will finish with uh, my haiku here. <clears throat> I wonder something. What could M Knight be saying with that critic guy? Very good, very good, very good. Excellent. The rhetorical question. Mm, very much right. so. Very much so. But uh, NPR bot, uh, if you if you could please. Oh, oh god oh we're out so so much easier so, so much, much easier helps me helps me with my uh with my uh anxiety yeah oh i forgot to do this oh get rid of those notes yeah, yeah dog you never have to talk about this movie ever again all right well we talked about this movie we we waxed poetic we uh we we praised it to the high heavens but uh but, you know <laughs> Nathan uh, or hell, whatever the, the opposite. I always confuse them. But Nathan, Dark what do we, depths of hell, yes. What do we always say uh, on this show? Well, we do have a tendency to say. Don't take a word for us. That's right. That's what we say. We say, don't take our word for it. Nathan. Hmm. 
I know the critics didn't like this. I'm not going to beat around the bush. So how how many of the critics thought this was pretty good? Uh, 25% out of a little over 200 reviews. Okay, so it's pretty concrete then. Yeah. All right. Well, certainly uh, the audience must have been on the same level. Um, They were about times two levels up at 49%. However, out of over 250,000 ratings. It, it kind of alarms me that it's almost 50-50. <laughs> yeah. But hey, you know what? If you did like this, and I it sounds like we all hated it, yes. uh, you might also like The Guardian, I believe, starring Kevin Costner and... Um, Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher. That's not uh, Or Flight Plan with uh, Jodie Foster. That's or, you fun. know, that Nicolas Cage... Uh, Michael Pena movie World Trade Center, like the the shitty United ninety three, yeah, yeah, or Ocean's Twelve. I, I kind of like Ocean's Twelve. And I mean, it's finally, still Ocean's Eleven. I don't understand how this got lumped in with. If you liked Lady in the Water, you might also like Coach Carter. They're all inspirational what? sports movies, Nathan. <laughs> I don't understand Rotten Tomatoes metric for this ever. <laughs> right? No. There is. There's no. There's no mysticism or ancient world fairy tale stuff attached to any of these movies. Was was Sam Jackson a wizard in that movie? <laughs> no. What? But has he played a wizard in a movie? He kind of did in Star Wars. These would be if you count as a Jedi. Yeah. Jedi's are wizards. Yeah. Jedi's are yeah force wizards. Yeah. Okay, so it seems like everybody really likes this movie. Um, <laughs> I'll start off with, uh, we're going into the critics' reviews. I'll start off with Roger Ebert, my boy. Uh, he says, perhaps it's improvised and protracted, nonsensically and unnecessarily, just for the sake of stringing us along and maybe putting us to sleep. One and a half out of four. That is See? an insult. <laughs> <laughs> maybe putting us to sleep. Uh, well, I'm going to go... story. That's the purpose. That's what M. Night was going for, guys. <laughs> yes. okay. He accomplished it. Fair. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, uh our, our late great friend of the podcast that we never met, Ken Hankey from the Mountain Express at Asheville, North Carolina. And I, I, this is one of the few times I am on the opposite page of old Ken. Oh, he writes, I'm inclined to think that we're seeing the expression of an artist who knows he has something to say, but hasn't been able to quite come to terms with what that something is. But Ken gave it a four out of five. Mm. Ken, R.I.P.D., but like, come on. <laughs> All right. Okay, so this is from uh, Jason Anderson, CBC News, Canada. Mr. Anderson. Hey, and he says, Lady in the Water exposes Hollywood's master of suspense. I don't know if I would call him that. But anyways. They were at the time. Uh, that's true. Exposes Hollywood's master of suspense as a wet noodle. And they couldn't even give a score. And that's how much they cared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Weber of Out Magazine says, Nothing works in this film. It's boring and incomprehensible. Laughable when it should be inspiring. Well, that that whole thing where Giamatti has that speech about his family and missing them and stuff was probably one of the only high points in the entire movie. That redemptive part of that character. But, I mean, the story surrounding it was so clunky. Anyhow, yep. uh, Donald Monroe from the Fresno Bee wrote, A screenplay so 
eye-rollingly dippy that it plays out like something a bunch of second graders cooked up on a rainy day playing fort in the living room. He gave it a D. Steve Schneider, Orlando Weekly. Never has the evidence been so clear that a once promising director has gone completely insane, yet seldom has said proof been so all-fire all dull. Punctuation. <laughs> One out of five. Wow. I hope he was right. paid for that. <laughs> well, I'm going to end the critics' ones on a positive note. Um, Rob Gonzalez of eFilmCritic.com says, Ignore the critics on this movie. Yeah, I am one, which means I'm telling you to ignore me too. Four out of five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's see. Who can I finish the, this over? I gotta gonna counter your your I guess kind of positivity with something else. All right. Um, Scott found us of the LA Weekly wrote Lady in the Water is unmistakably a setback as well as a warning to potential directors you are it seems either with M. Night Shyamalan or against him and this time I must take up residence in the latter camp that was a rotten review <laughs> a return to storytelling in the first order Lady in the Water is highly recommended three out of four what <laughs> Michael A. Smith? What? Wow. You it was highly recommended? Mm-hmm. And you gave it a three. Wow, yeah. Mike. Um, I just found a note on this movie, and I just want to relay this to you guys. So there was a book called How M. Night Shyamalan Risked His Career on a Fairy Tale. And th- so he was partnered with Disney for a while but prior to this movie. Okay. One of the reasons why Shyamalan decided to part with Disney was because Disney's president of development, Nina Jacobson, took her son to a party instead of staying home to read the script for Lady in the Water. Shyamalan had it personally couriered to her and to had insult to injury. She did not like it anyway. Shyamalan <laughs> went off in a huff and the, quote, creative differences he purportedly had with Disney was that he simply felt that there was nothing creative about Disney anymore. He took the script to Warner Brothers instead, but without the usual marketing marketing campaign that Disney promoted his other films with, and thus Lady in the Water became a box office flop. Because she took her son to a fucking to a party. children's party. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, not egotistical or self-important at not all. Not at all. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy if, if someone would even think that. Anyway, let's get into the, uh, the 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 real meat and potatoes, the uh, the audience penis and testicles, yep. penis and testicles, the um, yeah, the butthole of the internet, <laughs> the comments section. <laughs> All right. So my first uh, audience review is from Alicia M, and Alicia M goes full hog five stars. This movie is extremely underrated. It is absolutely enthralling and enchanting, but beyond that, it is a metaphor for our world. We have lost something very precious and magic in our hearts, and the lady represents that hidden and latent knowledge that we have lost. The people in the apartment represent the humans in the world that are hungry for enlightenment. I adore this movie. Well, my first one comes from Jason S., and I can only assume that's Jason Sudeikis. Oh, cool. And he writes, if you combine the silly premise 
The film is engrossing and delivers. Three and a half out of stars. Sadakis. All right. All right. Um, I have one from Mike J. I really like this one. Okay. Uh, King, Lord, Lord, King, Lord, Evil, King, Lord, King. Four and a half stars. What? How is what? that? <laughs> okay. I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Glowing review and super weird. Um, this one is from an anonymous reviewer who gives it four an anonymous stars. General manager. Anonymous general manager. He's just a laptop. Uh, he gives it four out of stars and says, I love this movie, mainly for the atmospheric use of rain. End of review. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that they use rain that often, do they? No. Just rain at the end of it. the party. It rain ruins the party, yeah. Yeah. It's like the only scene, whatever. Okay. Uh, well, my next one uh, comes from Matt B, and I can only assume that's NXT trainer Matt Bloom. Mm. Uh, and he writes... And he says, I don't li- I'm not a fan of Bill D. He almost ruined <laughs> my career. Right. Utterly pretentious from start to finish. Who did M. Night Shyamalan make this movie for? The audience or his kids? It's confusing and lackluster. Paul Giamatti's likable performance and some nice cinematography can't save this movie. One and a half out of stars. By the way, I also just from found Lord out... Tensai. <laughs> on the same day this movie was released, they did release a book, like a children's book about Lady in the Water. Yeah, oh. don't like that. Okay. It probably went a little something like our cold open. Yeah. This one is by Sanford C. Sanford and Kassan. Yeah. Um, he said Stinker by N. Shaimala. Can't even <laughs> That's his name. Yeah. His name right. Yep. He hasn't made a good movie since Six Cents. Such a campy waste of time. Two and a half. Or sorry, one and a half stars. I would contend that. Uh, since six cents but sure yeah okay all right i think this one's a, a in jest but it made me laugh anyway this is from sassy so i'm assuming <laughs> sassy sassy uh one of the stars best movie where three groots tag team wrestle a grass dog <laughs> while a giant eagle carries off a water nymph from an apart- apartment complex that i've ever seen <laughs> Okay. A narrow category, but a, very, a win very, very, Yeah, very niche market for that one. Uh, my next one is from Matthew L., and I can only assume that's Matthew Lillard. Uh, and he writes, Lady in the Water has flawed directing and a weird story, but it does have some well-done scenes, and it's pretty entertaining. Three out of stars. Uh, I have one from Persephone S. Uh... IDK, why this has a low percent. It's a really good movie and different. These days, all you get are fucking remakes. Five stars. Because <laughs> it wasn't a remake, it automatically gets five stars. Fuck yeah, dude. All right, last review for me for the from the audience is from Wee M. Uh, <laughs> Wee Man from Wee Man. Jackass? Wee Man from Jackass. Uh, five out of stars. Great movie. It was actually a bedtime story for kids. Rotten Tomatoes sucks donkey dick. Sounds like me, man. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. Well, this my last one, and it comes from uh, Robert H. And I can only assume that is uh, from constant contributor for Listener's Choice Month, Robert Hooper, and friend of the show, uh, also a local referee uh, for professional wrestling. He he writes, well, it does have its magical fairy tale quality that is endearing. It's mostly just a pretentious, silly piece of nonsense. It has way too much mythology to be sorry mythology to be comprehensible, and M Night Shyamalan casting himself as a writer just hits the nail a little too hard on the head. Two and a half out of stars, even on Rotten Tomatoes, he can't count to three. <laughs> Take that, Hooper! Take that, Hooper! Stop <laughs> sweeping the mat. Also, his foot was on the rope. Goddamn right. You know what we're talking about, Lindsay. You know all the wrestling. Yes. Yes. I know uh, the 80s wrestling. Uh, which Hooper probably did. He's old. Yeah. So send us home with that last, I'm I'll... assuming, glowing review from an audience member. All right. Well, this person couldn't even be bothered to put a name. Coward. Uh, so they wrote, a confusing and boring, complete mess of a fairy tale. Paul Giamatti spends the whole movie looking as confused as everyone else watching it. I mean, that's accurate. One star. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Giamatti was like, wait, didn't you do the sixth sense? I thought this was supposed to be good. <laughs> He's like watching his career go down the toilet as he acts through the whole movie. Again, that milk mustache scene is the closest I've ever gotten to being like, was I wrong? Is this a bad actor? <laughs> That's the, that's the that's the strength of M Night Shyamalan's direct direction of actors. George Lucas. <laughs> well, let's not go crazy here. <laughs> Banned. But there we go. We've uh, we've done it. Uh, we've we've gotten the uh, we've got we've heard from the critics. We've heard from the audience. But now, you know, the three of us we like good stuff too. So I'm gonna ask you, what's that? Occasionally. Occasionally, we like to uh, kind of cleanse the palate with uh, a good a good movie or a good show or something like that, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask the question. Uh, I, well, America's asking the question. Canada's asking the question. What you watching, bud? So Lindsay, uh, I'll start with you. What you watching, bud? What you watching, bud? I don't know what you watching, bud. I'll tell you so. Do 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 do. <laughs> Um, actually, uh, Arcane, it's not very new, but it's from Netflix, and it has no business being a League of Legends cartoon, because it's really good. What is it called? Arcane? Arcane, yeah. Okay. It's on the flicks of net. You should watch on the, it. On the flicks net. All right. Okay. Arcane. And what about, uh, is it, wait, is it a TV show? It's a, it's just a, sh- uh, animated, uh, short. Okay. It's like a TV show, yeah, but okay. Uh, what about you, Nathan? Uh, what you watching, bud? Uh, let me see the plethora of things that I have been watching. Actually, let me take a quick look at my viewing history on yeah, one of my through, devices. Some of your some of your recent pornographies that you've watched. <laughs> Is the one about banana banana shotting? <laughs> Don't lie to me. You're not recommending that. <laughs> Never, ever, ever. Okay. Uh. Well, I. I. You know. I do like to. Uh. To watch the interesting stuff on Tubi. Love Tubi. Yeah. Love Tubi. So yeah. I. Uh, I. I like the Tubies as well because they've got some really great and uh, quote unquote great stuff too. Uh. But I actually watched some legitimately great stuff. A. Uh. 
a Korean zombie pet uh, that's been out for a bit, and I was kind of sleeping on it, Train to Busan. And, uh, man, that movie is well-made, top to bottom. I had no complaints. Uh, they they got the ending right. Uh, the action was was good. The 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 human drama that you that they sneak into zombie movies was was enthralling and entertaining. Uh, I can't recommend that movie enough. I agree. I second that recommendation. It's a good one. My third. Yeah. Brain cinema is going to take over. Should by all sure. TV shows. <laughs> all right. Well, what have I been watching? Well, yes. What have you been watching, bud? I'm going to recommend a newer movie. Um, I went to the theater to watch the new uh, A24 horror movie, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, Did they hit the floor, uh, floor, floor? (laughs) Did not. That song was not, unfortunately, in the movie. But (laughs) um, it is basically uh, like a whodunit horror mystery thriller about a bunch of uh, kind of rich kids who uh, hang out, you know, hanging out in this house. And um, the next morning, one of them, or not, I guess that night, one of them uh, is discovered, you know, dead and they start blaming each other and we got to figure out who's doing what. Uh, I will say that it is um, it is a movie that surprised me very much so, especially where it ends up heading. I did not see it coming at all. Um, it's got a it's got a pretty good cast. Uh, Pete Davidson shows up for a spell. Uh, there is a um, a bunch of uh, talented female actresses. Actually, um uh, Maria ba- Bakalova from the second Borat movie is one of the leads, and she's a lot of fun. Could you um, imagine if they put Drowning Pool's bodies in an A24 movie? No, I can't. <laughs> I cannot. Maybe a Bloomhouse one, but not an A24 one. Well, the thing about this one, too, though, is like it's not like it's not super intense like some of those H, like it's not like Midsummer or Hereditary. Like it, it it's more of like a, a kind of like a fun horror movie. Okay. But um, it's really clever. It's really good. And I think uh, y'all should watch it. So there you go. That's what we're watching. Um, other than Lady in the Water, all three of those picks are probably better than Lady in the Water. Uh, Lindsay, thank you for coming on the show to talk about another Shyamalan masterpiece. Mm-hmm. No problem. Is there anything you want to just plug or talk about or just put out there in the world? No. Okay. Perfect. Thanks, Jai. <laughs> no problem. Well, thank you anyway. Thank you for coming <laughs> by. Um, Nathan is uh, is Montrose Monkington there for a spot? He is. Just one second, y'all get him. Hello, it's your good friend Montrose Monkington the third here, and I I would just like to take a moment to invite all of you folks uh, listening to my YouTube channel, Montrose Monkington TV, uh, where you can watch me talk about the graps and whatnot. Uh, you can also be friends with me on Facebook at the Facebook group Montrose Monkington the Third Esquire and Friends. And finally, uh, if you do so wish to, you could tweet at me on your little Twitter devices at Montrose the Third. That's the number three R D. Thank you. More later. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Montrose. You're welcome. Lindsay, do you have any questions for Montrose? No. Okay. No, I'm scared. Yeah, you should be. He's very scary. He's not, he's not made out of wood. Killing his parents and then snorks or snarks. Snurks. Yeah, you got it. Snarks. Is that new Winnie the Pooh movie? Ooh. The new Winnie the Pooh. Oh, the horror movie? <laughs> I can't yeah. that. 
I can't wait to can't see wait. that. Uh, I can't wait could, to probably talk about it on the show. I was going to say, yeah, it could be a fucking disaster. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, that's it. So um, thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us everywhere on the webs. We are on uh, all the podcast apps, but of course our home base is Age of Radio. Big time! You go to ageofradio.org slash what were they thinking. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, just search for us. We're on Twitter and Instagram at WWTT Podcast. Uh, we're on Redbubble, TeePublic, Patreon.com slash WWTT Podcast. All that good stuff. But as we come to the end, I want to reiterate again, thanks to Lindsay for braving through another M. Night Shyamalan disaster. No problem. It was painful. <laughs> Nathan, I love how you just been you just been stuck in this role of M Night Shyamalan guest. <laughs> but Nathan, uh, do you have any questions about Lady in the Water? Uh, I got got a couple questions. Ugh. Okay, so in a movie yeah. where Paul Giamatti uh, rescues what I thought was tilda swinton but turned out to be bryce dallas howard from a could swimming been, pool could have been jessica chastain we're not sure yet maybe uh because she's an, a narf mm-hmm. and, and, oh sorry in a movie where m night Shyamalan kind of casts himself in a jesus type role because not only is he martyred but he'll bring about peace to the world apparently yeah. and in a movie the Did he just fall asleep? What was he thinking?